The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Alex Inc. This week, viewers of Brooklyn Nine-Nine heroically saved the show, so we hope that Alex Inc. viewers can do the same. I don't know what I'll do if I never find out how Zach Braff completes his podcast empire. Starring the director of the Old Man Heist movie that your dad is going to watch on cable TV and tell you is really good six months from now. That movie will be playing on TBS for decades. Netflix execs, Amazon execs, we know you are listening. Crackle, Crackle, please save Alex Inc. Alex Inc. and Crackle seems to be a match made in heaven, I gotta say. It might not be a Sony show, so it might not be a (laughs) match made in heaven, because Crackle is Sony's company. Look, Crackle needs all that it can get, and it can get Alex Inc. I mean, they lost comedians and cars getting coffee. I mean, it's basically the same audience. Yeah. Save us, Crackle. Bring us back our precious Alex Inc. Round one. Automatic. Off of Weezer, the red album. Versus Possibilities Off of Maladroit I hear you make that noise a lot. And you know what? I have to edit a number of them out. (laughs) So, Automatic was written by Pat Wilson. Another Pat song. Did we put every song that Pat wrote by himself on this bracket? I think think we we, did. I think we had to. (laughs) Not like that was a rule of of this podcast, but they're just so god-awful that they had to be on this podcast. Automatic has what I like to call the Bizarro Weezer lineup. Rivers is playing the drums, and Pat is doing guitar and lead vocals. Yeah. That's not what I call a recipe for success. Can we talk a little bit about Pat Wilson? Let's do it. I think Pat's always come off to me as like the most amiable member of Weezer. He seems extremely easy to get along with, yeah. very friendly. I think it's because he's kind of, you know, he kind of looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy a little bit. <laughs> you, put, you touch his pu- tummy and he goes, woohoo! I mean, to be fair, who doesn't do that when you touch their tummy? Is Pat kind of like the Ringo of Weezer? Other than he's the drummer, I mean, but just the personality wise. <laughs> I mean, lies. he's not as big of a personality as Ringo. At least when there was a Ringo song, you know, it was always like the bizarre shit like Octopus's Garden, where it's like, this is bad, but well, it's very charming. Well, you also, you also have to remember when the uh, Beatles first broke, like, all the girls had crushes on Ringo. The same was not true of Weezer. <laughs> yeah, I don't think girls ever had crushes on any members of uh, Weezer. There was a strong contingent of girls who were very into Rivers. That's true. But as we will see later, he just didn't talk to them. Well, let's say, let me say this. If they ever made, uh, like, a Weezer movie, like a Hard Day's Weezer, uh, Pat would not be the protagonist of it. 
in the same way that like Ringo was the protagonist of a hard day's night. Certainly not. <laughs> Let me ask a question. How good of a drummer do you think Pat is? That's a very good question. Yeah. None of the drum patterns in any Weezer song seem to be that particularly difficult or complex. That said, he is asked to do a lot of different things. For instance, on Possibilities, his drum sound is completely different than anything else he's done. It's a very hard, very punk rock drum sound. Yeah. So I will make the argument that he's a very versatile drummer. You know that famous like quote about Ringo? He's not even the best drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, dr- is Ringo the best drummer in the world? Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> Especially because you have uh, Rivers doing drums on this song. If I didn't look it up, I wouldn't have known. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they just put Rivers on percussion just to give him something to do? I don't think so, because they could have easily just had him do lead guitar and Pat still do the, the drums. You know what I'm saying? I think they kind of. I think it was like a Rivers choice, but I'll do the drums, you do lead guitar. It'll be a fun thing to switch it up for th- this song. Okay. I mean, the alternate version would be Pat just saying, no, I have to do the guitar on this. You don't understand how important this song is to me. So this is like, I think, started off as it was a special goodness song. Which is a Pat's band. So it was another case of Rivers being like, this song should go on the album. Because the way he did with um, Scott Schreiner's song, Cold Dark World. Rivers just seems to have bad taste in his bandmate solo projects. Or he's intentionally trying to sabotage them. Like, hey, let's put one of your songs on our albums. (laughs) You can never leave this band. Or it's just like, huh, huh, your song's the worst on the album. You want to write another song for us now, huh, huh? (laughs) So did you know there was a remix of this song done by this uh, group called the L.A. Riots? The L.A. Riots did it? Yeah. I've not heard this. And do you know it was actually featured on Gran Turismo 5? (laughs) Of all Weezer songs, this is a a song that ended up on Gran Turismo 5. Oh, it's because it's called Automatic. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's fucking terrible. Oh, I hate when they do that. It's just like, this is a word that's associated with cars so it goes on the album it's like this song is about his father's death or whatever i mean this song is not about a father's death but i don't know what this song's about oh it's about his family oh, he, oh that's right i, I actually it, did it, see that in my research he, yeah. he loves his family what an important message to get out to the world it's great hey andrew what? do you love your family i don't care <laughs> do you know what this song sounds a lot like to me i don't it sounds like a late 90s alternative band song that you would hear like on VH1 at like 2 a.m. You would flip on VH1 in the middle of the night and you'd just hear like this shitty like New Radicals knockoff band doing a song <laughs> like this. It sounds to me like that it came on the radio and you just waited for it to get over to, for yeah. them to go back to the songs you like. It just, it sounds about a decade late and, and it doesn't sound anything like a Weezer song. It also sounds like the most generic application of those like, oh, yeah. alt songs. Oh, so much. It sounds like a really bad Marcy's Playground knockoff song. I would like to hear a good Marcy's Playground Sex knockoff song. Sex and Candy's fine. No, but knockoff songs. Oh, knockoff, yeah. By the way, they still tour. I'm sure. Do they do like small festivals, like, you know, like... Like county fairs? County fairs and whatnot. <laughs> the way like I think like Smash Mouth does. I don't know. I just I just read somewhere that they are still touring and they're still together and they're still like making new songs. Hey, by the way, I saw I think I saw that Bowling for Soup is playing the Grove this summer. I mean, it won't live up to us getting drunk as hell and seeing Smash Mouth. Nothing ever will. <laughs> 
this song is just bland and boring and has nothing of any kind of like noticeable content. Maybe he got in trouble with his family, and so he had to write them a song. You know, like Kobe Bryant has the butterfly crown tattoo after some stuff that we don't want. We ain't going to talk about on this podcast, but he did that shit. I don't get the song. I say that a lot, though. <laughs> That's a pro- yeah. This, this if you're playing Weezer bracket bingo, you can mark that one off for this episode. <laughs> Go ahead and say the lyrics make no sense so they can get to... Uh... The lyrics make no sense. <laughs> Every time I see that a song is written by Patrick Wilson, I wish it was written by the actor. <laughs> I just watched The Commuter yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, the movie kind of rules. <laughs> it kind of does. Yeah. The part where he just flips off the Goldman Sachs guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the definition of a movie pass. Oh, yeah. for me because it's like eh, I'm not going to pay $17 to see this but I definitely will take the time out I am a big fan of Sean Collette Sarah the fil- that film's director I would just like to see the actor from Little Children just writing a song about how much he loves his family in that movie <laughs> Jesus we touched on how generic it was like it's really impressive kind of how generic the song gets to be like he has the reverse tones during that bridge that was just like so prevalent in indie rock during that period of time and then he has those weird background vocals that are run through a talk box and then filtered to hell and back to where it kind of sounds like the crazy frog yeah i have a question you think before this album like every other member of weezer because they had their side projects do you think they were secretly thinking i'm probably a better songwriter than rivers right now i'm more i'm more with the times i think i know what people want i no i don't i don't believe that at all yeah i don't believe they ever thought they were better songwriters i believe they thought they were also songwriters yeah and i can understand how they would feel the frustrations of not being able to get songs they wrote onto weezer albums is you know you dedicate so much of your life to this band and you write songs that you really care about and you try to put them and you just get the no but then every time they become weezer songs they end up on a tournament bracket of bad Weezer songs. <laughs> well, just like none of them ever sound like Weezer songs or sound like they belong on a Weezer album. Absolutely. And their side projects have different sounds. Yeah. And they have tried in many cases to adjust the sound to fit Weezer more, but it's never congruent. No. It never fits like it should. Like and just, it always sticks out. Like, it is always glaring. I don't think you can just, like, mess with a song and turn it into a Weezer song. You know, it has to have that foundation. And these songs don't have that foundation. Even when Weezer covers songs, yeah. they sound more like the originals than Weezer songs. Gee, well, a lot like, of times, we talked about, like, like, him covering Kids in Poker Face. Yeah. And it's like, even still, it's like, I don't think they could have taken a song like Kids and made it sound like a Weezer song. No, absolutely not. Some of the early songs they used to cover, though, they were, you can tell, like, these were kind of the inspiration for Weezer songs. You know, like, I would, you'd hear first versions of them uh, covering, uh, like, Just What I Needed by The Cars, which is an early template of what would become, a, like, a Weezer song, basically. Well, I mean, that's also because of their partnership with Rick Ocasek. Yeah, or, like, I, I remember I heard a cover of uh, the Pixies' Valoria, which, obviously, one of uh, River's main influences is the Pixies. How it, thrilled do you think he is to be on tour with them right now? <laughs> you, you know what? The Pixies need Weezer right now. 
Wow. If it was like the the Pixies coming back like 15 years ago when they first reunited, that would, this would be a different thing. But I remember Pixies, how huge that was. The Pixies have like pissed away all goodwill at this point. Yeah. Kim Deal's not even with them anymore. It's just like they released like an album that was horrible. Like worse than the, like a recent Weezer album, horrible. Hey, hey, hey. The one before last, we also... We, yeah, 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 yeah. But that, this, like, that, that one like Pixies album they released was god-awful trash. They played Coachella right after that album came, like, I think 2014, and I was there, and, like, I couldn't find the energy to go sneak off to see the Pixies, because I was like, ugh, that material. It was right after they had just kicked out uh, Kim Deal again, so I was like, eh, I really don't have any. Who did you see instead? I think I just went and gra- grabbed a beer at the beer garden. Beer's always the <laughs> You know what I like when you drink beer? What? It opens up a world of Possibilities! <laughs> Off of Maladrid. <laughs> so you hate this song. I do. I was like actually shocked. Like we were listening to it together, and you did not look happy. I don't look happy generally when we listen to any of these. <laughs> songs. Did, this one doesn't really. I don't understand. This one doesn't. I don't mind this song at all. What really gets to me about this song is just the background of possibilities, and it's just hear this song, and I imagine the going into the cold booth. And recording those, you know, just multi-tracking them, like like a rapper would ad libs, just like. <laughs> I think this was, might this might be the uh, shortest Weezer song. Mercifully, so it's yeah. uh, it's a second under two minutes. Yeah. So guess what? I'll do credit there. I appreciate that. What gets to me about this song is that it kind of promises possibilities and then delivers none. Yeah. My thinking to this, and I could be completely wrong as I often am, Rivers was trying to write a song, and he's just like, God, there are so many possibilities of what a song could be. Ding! Light bulb, all that. And that's why there's kind of like, it's two songs grafted together. You know, there's that change in the middle uh, that comes back. It feels like a lot of parts of a song, but he never wrote the actual bulk of the song. Yeah. There's nothing this song is about. It does feel like a like hack and slash sort of song. But it's like it's like he's taking like six songs and he's like, Don't worry, the verses will come later. And they never came and he's like, Well, I have all these scraps. We talk about him Frankensteining songs together a lot on this. Yeah. But this one is the most where it feels like a bunch of disparate parts. You know, usually it's two maybe three songs sometime together usually he has like a chord progression he likes and then he'll take it from there and it kind of it's like have, a progression he'll have like a, a chorus he'll have and an then I- over bridge yeah have an idea for like a chorus maybe even just like lyrics he wants in the chorus and he'll kind of pull it all together and whatnot but like at least that is like let's go whole hog with the frankenstein that's like you at least have two legs, you I know, think, a waist down. You have a torso and you have a head. This one feels like he had a finger, a thumb, you know, and he is putting together his monster that way. It's interesting because you, you bring up that that form of songwriting that he does now, but this song was written in 2001, and I'm not quite sure he was there with that form of songwriting. I think he was using any kind of like method of songwriting at that point. I don't know about that because I think he's had always had that technique. If you... Just make a catalog of chord progressions you like and, you know, bridges that you like. You are going to start slapping them together. Because, like, I've listened to his song, Exploder, and it's like, he, you know, he would take, like, a chord progression from a different song and alter it. 
I don't think he at this point he was at a point where he wasn't coming up with his own uh, chord progressions. I think he was still no. I no. I'm saying he has a catalog of chord progressions that he wrote. Okay. 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 Yeah. And sometimes, and especially in the case of possibilities, it feels he's flipping through the book and just sticking his finger down like, all right, we're doing this one. Yeah, this song it feels like he had a riff he really liked and like he had the idea of saying possibilities, but there's not much more than that. The song has these really hard drums from Pat, and overall, this sounds this has a really hard like punk sound yeah. to it. Like a bit of a no effects sound to it. Honestly, the way you describe it now it makes it sound like you like it more than you do. All those things are good. <laughs> hold on no hold on hold on have you listened to some of those no effects albums because there'll be 24 songs on them and 10 are good 10 songs are still is still a good like amount of songs to have on it i mean this is also two minutes long like those songs well get out before you you fucking ruin it look i think the punk sound is good when you have your rancids of the world your anti-flags your bad religions doing it i don't think punk songs are good when you have weezer doing them i don't necessarily think that's what punk song what song that sounds like a punk song do you think is good that they've done (sighs) jesus i mean they're not punk songs but they're based you know what i'm saying but, but okay they're punk descended, influenced they're des- yeah they're definitely punk influenced you know there's so a lot of punk? i would say basically everything off of like blue and pinkerton have has a basis in that stuff a little bit i don't know about that i mean it's not like a, they're not exactly like trying but i would say he's definitely listened to that stuff and okay he, but like i'm saying has an influence to level of possibilities not some vague roots okay that's fine um i can't think of any, any that are that specific off the top of my head memories still made the bracket still made the bracket i like this song when i like memories what yeah oh no memories is a much better song why why do you think why do you like memories more i, th- I would say memories is at least more cohesive within itself yeah, that is one song. Just are you talking about lyrics wise, or just like no, just the whole bridge, thing. bridge, like first chorus, kind of structure wise? Memories at least feels like it was written, even if he's doing his song a day thing. It feels like it was still the same day. Yeah, he still was trying for that. He still had an idea central to this, and he stuck to it somewhat. Okay. Possibilities is just like it feels like anytime you had to do a project in like two hours to turn in and it's just like okay here's any scrap of research i have here you go i was uh where is this where does this song fall on oh yeah it's like the second the last song on or third to last song on uh maladroit that, that's the whole thing with maladroit i don't understand why any songs where it is on maladroit it doesn't make any sense it's like he hit shuffle yeah i could i could really just hit shuffle on the album and it would sound the same to me yeah yeah all right, let's put it to a vote. I am going to vote, and it's really not much of a... I think I've been pretty obvious here. I'm going to vote for automatic. So... And I don't know what you're going to vote, because you've been pretty vocal about hating possibilities. I do hate possibilities. But I, I also don't know how you could not vote for automatic here. I do hate possibilities. I think it's a very bad song. But automatic is fucking terrible <laughs> it's very bad song. i always feel bad for kicking like pat 
Pat, well, we talked about how he seemed to be like a nice guy. Like, look, I mean, doesn't mean he can't write shitty songs, though. <laughs> I mean, we tend to like the band and the people in it, just not all the songs. And Automatic is just—I think even they would admit Automatic doesn't. I think Pat would say, "Yeah, that that worked for my project. It didn't work for Weezer. I, I guarantee it probably didn't work for his project either. I'm not going to go listen to it, so." <laughs> Automatic advances on the bracket. Next up on the Weezer bracket. Oh, girlfriend. Off of Weezer, the green album. Versus. Pork and Beans. Off of Weezer, the Red Album. <laughs> yes we're committed yeah we have definitely thrown our hat over the walls at this yeah point. a very colorful matchup this time i don't think we've had any matchups go against each other that each are from the uh, color themed albums too bad i would have liked to see a red versus blue uh blood and crypt themed matchup but that would make purple oh girlfriend is you know, I think the thing about Oh Girlfriend realizing it is that it's the album closer. Yeah. And like after like Only in Dreams and Butterfly, which are they make an impact. You know what I'm saying? They 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 you leave those albums thinking like feeling something from each of those songs. Absolutely. Oh Girlfriend just has nothing going on. And I get why it's the album closer because both Only in Dreams and uh, Butterfly, they feel like smooth landing. Yeah. It's just a gentle end to the progression. And so that's why the song is there. The problem is, you listen to Oh Girlfriend, and I do feel something. What do you feel? I just want to grab them and say, suck it up, pussy. <laughs> you know, there's some weird things in these lyrics. There's almost these, this uh, Oedipal sort of theme going on throughout this song. Really? Oh, oh, the, uh, I was happy as a little boy can be. I was be. happy in your arms, I was happy as a little boy can be, taking I- pills and mellowing out. <laughs> what did you do as a child? Well, <laughs> I hope my mom doesn't hear this. She doesn't want that out there. I don't read this as Oedipal. I just see it as more simplistic. I think he's saying this is just the simple pleasure. Oh, I think, like, especially right now, at this point where he was writing lyrics, I don't think he had any thought, really, going into these lyrics. They were just kind of what he saw as a standard things. There was nothing specific about them. I'm guessing this is him writing about a girl that does not exist. Apparently, I though it's been revealed that this is kind of based on a girl who may exist, who's the same girl from Oh Girl, which this song is not in any way uh, based on or like uh, changed from. They are what? nothing alike. I also want to thank our friend uh, Megan Costello for sending me a link to the original Oh Girl, and so I could hear it because I had not. I don't think I'd ever heard it before, actually. 
and they are not in any way similar. <laughs> no. Um, and if you're curious and you want to check it out, I actually don't recommend it. It's on YouTube. It's a minute and 57 seconds. What What's really odd about this is this is perhaps Rivers' most overt reference to drugs. Taking pills and mellowing out. Yeah. Except... Do you want to get high? I'm saying at this point. Yeah. Except... I can totally see Rivers as someone who has a legit Xanax prescription. Oh, yeah. But. I think he needs it. Let's assume that he doesn't. Is Rivers Cuomo the godfather of SoundCloud rap? Lil Peep. (laughs) R.I.P. Lil Zan, all of it. Rivers wrote songs about taking Zans uh, first. (laughs) That's true. This song does not land in any sort of way. It's just trying to create a relatable feeling. And it's like, yeah, we've all broken up and then felt shitty about it. But it's like, what do you have to offer besides that? And it's not a lot in this. I get what he's trying to do, but I listen to this song and it's just like, you know what? I have to take her aside. I see why she left you, dude. <laughs> just kind of being a whiny bitch. I don't he's know. He's a little lame. I mean, Rivers is just kind of sitting around and whining. Just the whole sentiments of the song is kind of what a lot of people who are not so familiar as say you would just call emo yeah and it's like this is kind of like why that whole genre gets a bad rap because this is just whiny and being a sad sack and it's just like dude get over it a lot of like third wave uh emo artists the credit weezer and specifically uh pinkerton actually well yeah no of course like yeah they're inspired by the good songs and then the people who aren't familiar with the genre just believe it to be like songs like oh girlfriend where it's like I'm sad. My girlfriend and I broke up. And you know what? It sucks. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's lack of specificity that makes it like so this way. Yeah, what do you miss about this relationship is like oh that you you guys used to be physically close and emotionally close. And I think it's cool. Pro- Every relationship I think ever. I think that's a problem with a lot of the Green Album songs is like there is a lack of specificity to it all. It's like just general emotions. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. about the most basic sort of th- ideas and thoughts you can possibly put onto an album except for actually hash pipe which is a very specific song weirdly <laughs> enough even like the good songs are kind of like that like photograph which i think is one of the better songs is the same sort of sentiments basically oh girlfriend it has a really droning whining sound to it yep which i really don't like those sounds personally if there is a sound that is the opposite it is pork and beans uh this is just a big bodacious pop rock song well yeah it was written to be that way you know what the basis of the song was basically yeah the labels telling them to make more commercial songs he went and wrote pork and beans now i wouldn't say it's a middle finger to the face but it is about him trying to write a single it's not a middle finger it's a sir i respectfully disagree (laughs) he's trying to do it both ways to make the commercial single but about how he doesn't want to do it and that's fine. This might border on the most ironic song that... I don't think it's ironic. I think it's self-aware. And there's a difference between irony and being self-aware. And I think it's... 100%. Yeah. And I think that's more what this song is. Um, actually, the song that uh, I think about the most with this song is a song by the band The Wrens. It's called This Boy's Exhausted. And it's kind of the ba- same sort of basis where their label was giving them a hard time. And they went back and wrote this song basically about how tired they are of having to take notes from the label and whatnot but that song just pissed off the label and was never a hit um i mean a lot of bands have done this i oh mean yeah. uh, again i can't believe we're bringing up no effects again but they have please play this 
song on the radio. Uh, Danny Brown has a song called Radio Song. It, this is a very natural thing for an artist to do, is to push back in this way. Except here's the thing. This song ended up being the first single off the album. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It went and they basically did exactly what the label asked them to do. I actually remember the release of this song. I was a sophomore in college. I, it was right. It was the first thing we heard since Make Believe. And I remember uh, like a 30 second like segment was like leaked on Amazon. You know, they would do those things where you could hit the it, preview. The yeah. preview. And like it was a little bit of the chorus in. I think the big the big thing that fans took away was the guitars were crunchy again. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. had, it had a crunchiness to it that had been lacking on make believe. Yeah, they sound and even they sound even, the closest to hash pipe. Yeah, I wouldn't even yeah, I wouldn't even call the hash pipe riff crunchy in that way. But the guitars just sound like yeah. That. I don't think Weezer has ever been their best when they are talking about their processes, the artistry any of that no we've talked about this before like i don't think i think this problem with back to the shack yeah anytime he's trying to make these artistic statements about either doing what he wants or doing what the fans want i take them as apologies i mean at this time this was not an apology you can kind of read it though there, I don't, there I don't, is an argument to be made where he is doing what the label wants and then apologizing to the fans, the fans at the same time he's trying he's trying to make it like look here's the Here's the sugar to make the pill go down for the label. Like here, here's your commercial thing, but don't worry, fans. I'm. This is still going to be a standard Weezer record. Yeah, and that's the Red Album. And we know that's not true. Well, the Red Album's the weirdest album, and we yes. talked about this many times. We talked about the reasons why. This is he's he yeah explicitly he is not doing what he wants to do, as there are multiple songs that are not written by him on. But I think that's what he wanted to do at the time. You know what I'm saying? I think Perhaps. I think that's the album he wanted to make. Is not that weren't that wasn't just Rivers Cuomo centric. I think he's going out of his way, and I think he has this like intent with it. Weirdly enough, I just don't know why. The why will always elude us when it comes to rivers. But I remember when I first heard this song, and like I was really conflicted about it. There were things I liked about it. Yeah, like I liked the crunchy guitars. There was something about the sound. I thought it had a great riff. Weirdly enough, the first Weezer song to not have a guitar solo on it. Really? Yeah. I've done the research. This is true. I'm trying to even think of the... Oh, yeah, there is one on Gold Girlfriend that we just listened to. I think there's this thing There was this thing in River's mind that it was almost this, like, OCD thing he had in his brain when it came to songwriting where it goes, you know, first chorus, first chorus, guitar solo, yeah. then chorus. I mean, it still structurally has a bridge. And let me tell you, I oh, hate this bridge. It is, <laughs> yeah. It's structurally... A, I mean, like you might might be drive you nuts, but it's structurally a sound song on the bridge. Let me just say, was he keeps saying, "I don't care, I don't care," and it basically to me reads as a thing where the more you say you don't care, the more everybody knows you care. Yeah. This song's a hit, by the way. This song did gangbusters. Yeah, this song was a bigger hit than I think anything off of Make Believe. No, was it a bigger hit than Beverly Hills? That's I an don't interesting think question. so. I don't think so. I think it, I think this past. Keep fishing, but didn't go up to Beverly Hills. I don't think they've had a bigger hit since this song. Yes. And they've had okay hits. You know, it's like nothing huge, but things you'd hear enough on the radio. Yeah. Would you remember the music video? Outside of Buddy Holly, I think this is the Weezer song that had its popularity most fueled by its music video. Hmm. Let me think about that. That's interesting. Okay, uh, maybe Keep Fishing. Yeah. That, that's about... Keep but, Fishing. But, okay, but this is top three, I'll say this, you know? So the music video is basically a collection of the most popular YouTube videos and memes that were that were huge at the time. 
it, like there was like chocolate rain. There was like you know putting um, Mentos in the Mentos and Doctor Coke. There was like the guy, the uh, dude who put on like fifty shirts. Yeah, yeah. It was basically the precursor for every modern Katy Perry video. Yeah, and it was, and it was as annoying then as those are now. Of course, the time it's going to take off. Yeah, and it feels like you know a contrived commercial. Vision. Oh, it made my eyes roll whenever I saw it. And to pair it with the content of the song, it's just like... Oftentimes, we're like, the content of the music video does not represent the actual content of the song. Oh, so often. Especially with Weezer. Like, I, I think that's basically... Almost every Weezer music video is like that. But this one, this one feels so planned. This one feels like this was in line. And I can't, I, I can't tell if this is being, like, so ironic or just going all the way over to where it's like, this is what the label asked for. Do you know what like, that, can you do memes? Do you, do you know what that, that music video felt to me like? It's like, this is a band who are in their mid-30s, uh, reaching 40. Okay, we have to do anything to grasp attention from anyone who's younger than, you know, 20. This is either one of them or someone in the record label. Pointing to the OK Go videos, it's like, guys, we need to do something. Oh, it like is this. It is like an OK Go. I think it was clearly someone. I think a music video director probably came in and pitched it. I think that's what, and they were like, okay, let's do that. I think it was probably a pitch that they accepted. But I feel like it was like them trying to go get into that okay, go space. Of course it was. Of course it was. Look, I'll give it this. I would rather watch this or listen to this than fucking okay, go. Of course. Um, <laughs> Guess what? The okay, go bracket is not coming soon. <laughs> Actually, I can't name any of the name of, names of any okay, go songs. Uh, here it goes again. Yeah, I couldn't remember that name. That's of the that treadmill song. one. I know that. I know. I just, it's, it's just because they keep saying that over. And over, and that's all this. I could tell the you the concept of an OK Go music video, but I could not no. re- tell you like the name of the song. I mean, you're not going to be looking it up on Spotify, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt like I want to listen to an OK Go song I'm right in now. An OK Go mood, baby. Yeah. yeah. This song drives you nuts, doesn't it? The sentiments drive me nuts. I will say this. I think musically, I think it's fine. Yeah. It's like him trying to lead like a company meeting. He's like, hey guys, here's where the direction of Weezer Co. is going. I think... Don't worry. We're going to do what we do. I think you and I fundamentally disagree about this because I don't have a problem with like Back to the Shack and other things like you do. I think it drives you nuts. I don't mind it as much. I don't like the concepts of artists apologizing. I don't think he's apologizing for it. Let me finish my sentence. Okay. I don't like the concepts of like artists apologizing or capitulating or having to overtly explain their works. I think when like the execs ask you to go make a lead single and you basically make it a lead single about having to make a lead single though, that's kind of like I think that says a little bit a little bit more. It's not like he went and just wrote a standard Weezer song, you know, like and I think there says something to that. I can appreciate that. It just has this cognitive dissonance of where he is trying to make the song they want and then trying to say that he's not going to make the song while clearly making the song. I think there is a specificity to it that is lacking from other Weezer songs because it clearly is him writing about something. Yeah. Which is, I think we've talked enough about like a lot of like Weezer songs have no specificity and are just about general emotions. And this one... This one's got it. Yeah. (laughs) And I kind of enjoy that about it. Uh, So you want to vote? Yeah, let's vote. Can I use the restroom first? (laughs) Sure. I'm going to leave that in, too. All right, I'm back. How'd it go in there? It was uh, tricky. (laughs) Anyhow, I'm ready to vote.
All right. I vote for Oh Girlfriend. Really? Uh, musically, I think Pork and Beans is not terrible. It's not the greatest. It's not bad, though. It's fine. It's fine. Oh Girlfriend sounds bad and then has nothing to back it up. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Oh Girlfriend. All right. Oh Girlfriend. It's moving on to the next round. You know, I have to be honest. Yeah. I thought you would totally go with Pork and Beans. Oh Girlfriend. This is not the end. <laughs> All right. Oh, girlfriend moves on. Next up. If you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. Off of Ratitude. Then the conversation stopped and I looked down at my feet. I was next to you and you were right there next to me. Then I said, Go! Versus the damage in your heart. Off of make believe. Let it go. The damage in your heart. Let it go. The damage in your heart. I can tell you how the words make me How many more songs do we have to go through? A lot. We did not think this out too well. <laughs> if you're wondering if I Want You To has a nice melody, and I, I, I think it has a pretty decent drive, God, those lyrics, though. Those, the lyrics are so inane. And it's almost like there's a thing about those lyrics I've been talking about, the last, lack of specificity to it. And I feel like he got that note because there is there is weird specificity specificity to this song that make it dumb as hell. There's too much almost. Yeah. It's like I I don't care what the dad was looking at. Oh, the we watched Titanic and it did not make a sad lyric. Oh. The song is it, terrible. It name checks Best Buy in it. Oh, that's what, I I wrote that down. <laughs> what do you think he bought at Best Buy? Probably like um this I, is about 2009. Probably just like a cord like like an HD cable. Oh, I was hoping he was shopping it for DVDs. I was guessing he was buying Righteous Kill on Blu-ray. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think he's already he's got a Blu-ray player at this point, or do you think he's still buying DVDs? He's a fucking rock star. It doesn't matter with Rivers, though. I don't think Rivers thinks that way. I think he, Rivers is like, he just doesn't care, so he doesn't update. Blu-ray and DVD does not matter to him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Only if there was movies that he couldn't get. Yeah. yeah. He's also just not a movie person, so he's probably not buying a Blu-ray or a DVD. He's, he's I think he's getting movie. Righteous Kill. <laughs> I think this song came too early for the world. Okay. I think this song should have come out now. Because then this would be the incel anthem. Oh, God. This is literally the incel mindset. Oh, I'm with a girl. I'm feeling a vibe. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. We're getting so close. Should I touch your back? Let me log on to reddit.com and ask some questions. 
This is one of those songs that I just want to just grab Rivers and shake him. It's just like, come the fuck on, dude. Do you want to hear a quote from Rivers about this song? Let's. Kind of a true story inspired by a situation. <laughs> really? <laughs> Whoa. Hey. Let me start again. Kind of a true story inspired by a situation with the woman who ended up becoming my wife eventually. <laughs> I don't want to go into too many details because it's kind of personal. But yeah, it's just about the awkward moment when you kind of like somebody, but you're not sure what they like you back and you're not sure if you should make the move and kind of hoping that they would make the move for you. So I understand this when you're in middle school. 18 maybe. And in high school around there. Rivers was like 30. He was probably like 35. Yeah, he was 35. If you don't know, if you can't pick up on this stuff, you got problems, bro. It's also interesting. This is that this is like one of two songs that we know of that is kind of based on his wife. The other one is uh, King of the World off of the White Album. Another Titanic reference. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the Titanic is, that that part's true. Oh, dude, I bet Kyoko Cuomo loves Titanic. I bet it's like their movie. Yeah, I bet I bet all of these stories in here are true. This is one of those songs I absolutely believe every word of it. I don't know why you would tell this story. I don't know why you would glorify it. Uh, it's just this is this is just one of those cringy things where it's just like uh, I'm 35. I don't know if this grown woman that I have gone on multiple dates with wants to kiss. You know, wants to hold hands. This so um, this song I don't think was ever a huge hit. It was a hit though. It it was a hit. It was it got radio play. So apparently it was slow to catch on. But you know what? Who played it all the time? I don't. Oh, you're gonna, it's gonna make sense when you hear it. K Rock. So, for so those, they played this between a sublime song and a red For those who aren't in the know, who's, for those who don't live in LA and have never listened to K Rock, K Rock is our local like modern rock station. But there are three things they play all the time. Number one, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and not even like their better songs. No, uh, it's like stuff of Californication, and then Sublime all the fucking time. And then they do play a, quite a bit of Weezer, but not, just the hits. Yeah, but like Weezer has consistently played at their like K-Rock Acoustic Christmas show for the last like decade. K-Rock is one of the reasons why me getting a Bluetooth dongle to plug into my car so I could play shit off of my phone is one of the best things I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, K-Rock, fuck you. I actually heard him play a so- version of this song, acoustic version of this song. See, that's the thing. I think this song could have been okay acoustically. Yeah. Like, but it has this mix of the acoustic and the electric and it just like builds and it just it just gets messier and messier just so intertangled and it's just like what are you trying to do uh yeah it just becomes a mess it's not pleasant to listen to i think it's interesting because it is the song that was the lead single off our favorite album ratitude and it's just like of an album of questionable decisions having this be lead is incredibly questionable i don't find it that questionable where else would you leave that can't stop partying Okay, we'll get there. <laughs> I know. I know you guys really want it, and we will get there. We and want it. We, want, we it. want it just as bad as you do. We want it more. I don't remember the music video for this song. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, it was like an old-timey sort of like 1950s set music video with like the other members of the band trying to get this girl. I'm going to say it. Weezer had like one great music video. Um, Buddy Holly. At the time, that was great. I kind of always but- liked the Undone music video, too. Spike Jones's first music video oh, yeah, with them, yeah, with yeah. the dogs and the blue room and the camera. That t- yeah, I think it's fine. They have like one great, and then like the rest are like fine to lame. Yeah, 
this music video is also weird because it's like super violent at times for a Weezer music video. Like we see like Brian Bell's arm get chopped off. And the big thing for me is like Rivers is acting so confidently throughout. Well, Rivers has to act in it. <laughs> that is always amusing. Like there's a point at the end where he gets the girl and then rejects her to show solidarity with his bandmates. And it's like just this moment of him having to act confident. And it's so weird and put upon. Well, also, anytime where, like, Rivers is getting, like, a hot girl, it gets so weird. Like, there's the perfect situation where he has, like, the girls on him, and it's just, like, Rivers looks like... Well, he's, like, he looks like he's wait, wait. not... Well, the per- the perfect situation uh, music video is, like, Alicia Cuthbert is, like, the lead singer of Weezer, and he's, like, her assistant. Yeah, but, like, she's, like, up on him, and he's, like, he's not been in this situation before. Yeah. So, at the end of the music video, Rivers rejects the girl. Yeah. I believe that caused damaged in her heart oh no what a segue <laughs> so damage in your heart ah uh, bad song a bad song um which is odd because it has a very good collaborator who is that rick rubin oh yeah anytime that rick rubin collaborates with weezer it sounds nothing like either one of their records no. i wonder what this uh track actually sounded like before rick rubin got involved because you know usually he tends to strip down tracks so i mean that's one of his techniques but it's very popular to say that's all he does but i wouldn't say that you know his work with the beastie boys was ever stripped down i wouldn't say his work with the mars volta was stripped down no uh-huh. I think I think he knows how to change things up depending on the artist he's working with. I think he tries to find the purest idea of the song and stay true to it. That said, I have no fucking idea what the pure idea of this song was. I have a conversation between the band members. I think this is around the time the album came out. They did kind of a sit-down conversation about every track on the album. Rivers was gone, because if you have remembered, he actually went back to Harvard and completed his college education between Maladroit and Make Believe. You know, everyone has to have a backup plan. He actually lived in a rock star. He actually lived in a dorm. There's like a... a, a, (laughs) Do you know this? Like, yeah, he he had like a dorm room. But basically, while he was gone, the other band members looked at what the songs, songs they had written and they found Damage in Your Heart and they kind of redid it, rearranged it a little bit, kind of worked on it. Do you think that they have done that sort of thing without him very often? No. It was kind of verboten before this. I wonder if he would have seen that as a betrayal. And then whenever he came back and was ready to record again, he uh, picked it up and what he had to say about this was, yeah, I have to say I'm really grateful to these guys for believing in this song and pushing for me for it to be on the album. And in so many other ways, just like this, they helped me stay on course while we were making the album and keep me from going too far in one direction or the other, either with my songwriting or my singing or my guitar playing. This album wouldn't even exist exist if it weren't for the other three guys in this band really keeping me on the course and supporting me, pushing me, encouraging me. So it really was a band effort, to which Scott had to say, cool. (laughs) And then Pat had to say, that's huge. Wow. Good insight from those two. Yeah. Scott Schreiner always seems just like a, a bucket full of wisdom. <laughs> Whenever I'm looking for any sort of life advice, I go and read Scott Schreiner quotes. I'm the same, but with Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know of any other Weezer songs that have a story like that, though. I can't think of one. No. I can't think of one that didn't have Rivers' fingers in every aspect of it. The most interesting thing is, like, Brian seemed to be really hands-on with this. And, and then he says... I don't know if the song for me turned out as well as I wanted it to, but it certainly is a nice song. So even after all this, they don't seem to be as satisfied with the song as they really wanted it to be. At least Brian. Like, what did they see in this song? I don't know. Because, yeah, I'm really struggling to see that sort of thing. You know, the damage in your heart reminds me a lot 
like a lot of make believe songs where it seems to be like Rivers trying to open up again, yet he doesn't have the ability to. Sort of like Pardon Me and Peace, where like the sentiments are there, but they don't really have much to say other than like I want peace or pardon me. And it seems like him trying to open up and be like maybe personal again, like on Pinkerton, but he just doesn't have the ability to. I don't think he can really open up on this song because, again, this song is so vague. Yeah. I will say this. I can kind of agree with the sentiment, though. It's just like, yeah, you've been hurt. Things suck. Let it go. Yeah. Like, shit's happened to me, too. Let it go. It's not doing you any good. Today, this is a very unpopular statement, (laughs) but it's one I kind of agree with. It's like one more tear falling down your face doesn't mean that much to the world, I think is a fucking great way to say it. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I just feel like a lot of these songs, like on Make Believe, he wanted to have these kind of like just heavy sentiments, and they just feel like marshmallow songs. Like the EDM artist marshmallow? (laughs) No, no, not like that. Just like little little marshmallows. (laughs) Musically, the song is all over the map it's a it's it's kind of a mess it and it feels like too many cooks in the kitchen and you have rick rubin there and i he has to strip this down from something else i don't know what it could have been do you think rick rubin was just working with brian pat and scott while rivers was away (laughs) i just can't imagine like rick rubin enjoying working with the others he clearly probably got in to work with rivers i do like the idea of like rivers coming back from school on spring break and he's like hey guys how's it going hey uh we did uh we redid this damage in your heart song oh let me count oh that's pretty interesting hey you wrote out the credits produced by rick Rubin. <laughs> yeah he came around man that guy's great you ever met him he's like no why didn't you guys call me why did you yeah he's like well you were at school <laughs> you gotta get your english lit major <laughs> <laughs> but i will say i think at the basis there is a musically good song because I posted this on the Weezer Bracket Twitter account at Weezer Bracket. Go follow uh, the Chili Gonzalez cover of it. And it's this beautiful arrangement on the piano of all the songs he could have done. He, he chose did. this one. He yeah. saw something in it. Yeah, because usually I've, I've also heard the medley he did of other Weezer songs. And he does that with a lot of artists. He does like a, a sort of medley on the piano of their there's songs. A, there's a Lana Del Rey one on that album. Yeah. That's pretty cool. But it's really weird to me that he chose damage in your heart of all songs i mean he's a very particular individual he has he also has these pop uh master classes online that you should absolutely search out because they are just fascinating oh kind of like the uh, ron howard master class not quite but he takes like a drake song uh he takes just hold on we're going home and he explains like the concept of syncopation and how like that alone makes the songs feel like an 80s song, but not having any of the aesthetic choices of the 80s, they're, they're great. So, I mean, if this guy is picking uh, the damage in your heart, he's seeing something in it, but I am not that level of a music master. I don't know what he's seeing. No, I have no clue. Well, let's make a final evaluation. Okay. What do you pick? I'm voting for the damage in your heart. Okay. I don't like listening to the damage in your heart at all. No shit. But I really, really don't like if you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. So we're tied. Yeah. No one, who titles a song that? Come the fuck it's up. It's like one of the few Weezer songs where he's ever used brackets, which is such a staple of like pop song. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's the only time he's ever done it. So, all right, then. All right. I think we have to call somebody. Hey, Fidel, you're going to get a call. Let's do it. Please answer this time.
We're calling at a reasonable hour for once. Your call has been forwarded Jesus to Christ, an automatic voice message system. Jesus Christ, just pick up your fucking phone, Five, man. One, right, don't, just hang up. Okay. Um, I don't feel like leaving. All right. You want to do talking? Sure. All right. All right. We are now calling a man I affectionately know as Tall Can Tony. Uh, he is a loudmouth from Philly that I know. Uh, met him at the bar, and we drink a lot, and we have a lot of fun. This will be interesting. He listens to a lot of hip-hop. I live in Mid-City, L.A., and we have the Mid-City Music and Arts Festival, headlined by Warren G. I know he's on his way there. Uh, we'll see how deep in he is, because I know he was going to pregame, too. Yeah, what up, bro? Hey, Tall Ken. Hey, uh, you're on my podcast. What's well, really good? Hey, we got a question. Uh, how well do you know Weezer? Uh, I mean, not really all that well. I mean, Buddy Holly. That's some. <laughs> some of like that album, maybe, and then like probably. Okay, you're really not going to know these songs, but that's fine. Well, we found someone who's going to be really unbiased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we got two songs. Okay. You need to pick between uh, the two of them, which is the worst song. Man. I mean, as, as you can tell, that shouldn't be that hard because I feel like they only had like one good album. There's two good albums, I would say. I mean, like, there's, well, I, there's, there's I more three. I appreciate them because even Beverly Hills, even like now I look at it as garbage. Like back then, I actually liked it. Yeah, it's a, it's a horrible song. It's shitty. It's really shitty. Oh, it's, it's, it's a sellout song. Oh, it's super shitty. Um, so the two songs that we have you picking are between a song called If You're Wondering If I Want You To, I Want You To. You may have heard that one because it was a single, actually. That one got some radio play. I have no reference. And the the next one you're really not going to know. It's a song called The Damage in Your Heart. Okay. So you can decide however you want yeah, here. It's, it's however you want. You can look up lyrics, look at that. You can listen to them or you can just choose from titles yeah you, whatever you want to do give, give me titles again there's a song the first one is called if i if you're wondering if i want you to i want you to don't like that one already <laughs> and the second song is called the damage in your heart uh, i i i all right it's it's very weezer because they're fucking like emo without being emo before it was emo yes that's true uh, I'm already going to go with that one. I'm not even going to listen to anything else. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm intoxicated, so. Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> I really don't want to put any effort that, into listening that, that's really, that, any music that I don't want to listen to. That's and totally considering, fine. Considering the, the bracket that it, what it is. Yeah. I'm, I mean, Yeah. Tony, fuck that other song. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> I feel like that was like deep into the uh, deep into their career, where they're just like trying to hold on to some shit. That's not, um, that's pretty true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could you could tell you could tell. Um, so, which one are you choosing? Not the super long title that was some bullshit. Yeah, the second one. Okay, so you are choosing the damage in your heart. Yeah, I mean it, it's yeah. That's that's that that's fine. Tony, Tony, uh, tell people tell people about your day today. Uh, so I woke up today and I took a sick day, 
just so I can go see Warren G right around the corner from me. And I went to Ralph's supermarket and I grabbed uh, some groceries and a bunch of beer. Nice. What kind? Hams. I'm going to get hammered off of hams. Shout out hams. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sponsor. Hopefully they are listening. If they're not, they should be. Well, uh, we're actually sponsored by Kirkland Light. Kirkland Light. It's beer. Have you ever had Kirkland Light? He I would, have not. It's Costco beer. Um, For 22, like 21 bucks, you get 48 beers. Well, I mean, light beer, I need at least that much. <laughs> All right, man. My name is Tall Can Tony. Tall Can Tony. <laughs> Tall Can, thank you so much for uh, helping us break this tie. Uh, I'm going to run down and catch Warren G with you in a bit. All right, cool. Um, oh, sorry, you- hopefully it wasn't so much of a nuisance. No, no that's what we needed. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, no plug. No, no, no plugage right now. Um, I guess I'm a, like a plunger right now. No, like clear so- up the block. No social media or anything. Uh, just check me out at uh, McFly Vintage on IG. Um, McF- I'm probably gonna do some do something tonight. About you know Warren G being in Mid City. Shout out me and Nick Rob, uh, Mid City MVPs, Team Dray- Draymond Green, because MV- real MVPs do everything. Holla at your boy. That's how it goes. Also, happy birthday, happy birthday, George Carlin. He's passed, but it is George Carlin's birthday. I just wanted to shout him out because he is the king of comedy. Besides Dave Chappelle, because they always, both of them, both really keep it real. All right. That's all I got to say about everything. I, I'm pulling a Forrest Gump right now. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Talcan. Thanks, Talcan. All right, fam. I don't know if I'm really cool with him shouting out Draymond Green on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because it's I said that uh, Draymond Green should have been the real MVP because he does everything on the court. And so when we just start getting hammered, like we're like Team Draymond, because okay. we do everything. Gotcha. MVPs do everything. Gotcha. All right, thank you, Talcan Tony. Thank you, Talcan Tony, uh, with your expert analysis. Uh, the winner, so to speak, is the damage in, in your, your heart. heart. To be fair, I think that's the right choice. <laughs> oh, you picked it. Yeah. All right. All right. On the next. Today's final round. Smile. Off of Weezer, the green album. Versus the greatest man that ever lived, variations on a shaker hymn. Off of Weezer, the red album.
another color versus color matchup. I know. Smile is such a boring song. Smile is a really boring song. Like it's like with the, I think it's the one off of the green green album I forget the most. You know why you forget about it? Why? This sounds basically like a revision of Simple Pages. Yeah, on the same album. On this, hold on, right next to each other. Simple Pages has has like a thrust to it. This song doesn't have. It's a little bit more lively. Yeah, it's a little more energetic. Well, Simple Pages kind of comes out out of the gate, just you know, dun dun dun, you know, and they kind of just burst into that like chorus almost immediately. It's also fun to listen to. Yeah, like Smile has nothing. Smile is just like, what if we take all the zip out of this song? What happens? Well, nothing happens. Nothing happens. <laughs> it just peters out at the end. That's how nothing it is. It just kind of like, oh, well, we only had a little bit of gas, and now we're out. Bye. It just exemplifies what the Green Album is in a lot of ways, and it's just nothing. What's weird is, to me, like, Simple Pages is at the end. Otherwise, like, Green's really front-loaded. Oh, yeah. That it starts e- off like, what, Photograph's like the first song, right? Don't, uh, don't Let Go. Then the it's Photograph. Don't Let Go, photograph. then Photograph. Yeah. And then it's just like, you know, you get to Mile, Simple Pages, Glorious Day, and Oh Girlfriend. And it's just like, we're out of steam. No bro. one ever listens to those songs. No one ever revisits Maybe those songs. Simple Pages, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, Simple Pages, I do. Anything after Knockdown, Drag Out is. Yeah. It was like one of the 14 of the like Green album uh, session songs that was leaked. So it, it was a little different. So it could have been like basically that Smile was a Simple Pages revision and then it leaked and they're like, fuck, we got to do it now. Well, apparently the leaked version contains some repetition of some sections with alternative lyrics not found on the album. I just think he was just kind of doing the same thing a little bit. He had a certain sound he liked in his head. I will say this. Green is very cohesive with, in terms of sound. Oh, I, I, I totally think so. And it's one, of the, it's one of the attributes about... But yeah, it's like the ultimate song that was made in, an, in the album's era that is just not made now yeah could you imagine like going to itunes and buying this as a single <laughs> this song yeah no um the thing about green is like there was so much like, hope for it especially like going in back and calling it green like kind of the same thing but different yeah and this is what you want i don't think the fan base around pinkerton had fully formed it was kind of there already but there it, was an undercurrent for it, sure there was an undercurrent but the main sentiment at the time was like we want blue and this is an album that's clearly going for that what i don't even know what like smile would be analog- analogous to though on the blue album every yeah. blue song is very distinct yeah Everything on the Blue album feels like inspired by something very specific in like River's life at that time. There's no song I go back to on Blue and go, oh, I forgot that was on this album. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, oh, wait. This, 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 this album's actually 16 songs long. I thought it was 10. Oh, there's these six songs I don't Well, it's weird because, you know, it's a song called Smile. And I always think of probably one of, one of River's main artistic uh, influences is probably Brian Wilson, right? Oh, of course. And Smile is such like a huge thing in the career of Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Smile was an album that he worked on, that Brian Wilson worked on after uh, after Pet Sounds. Kind of this weird musical like Nirvana for a lot of people, and this thing that never came to fruition. Other than that, this song just has no like heft to it. Yeah, it's just kind of it's boiled cabbage. It's just there. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. There is a lot of heft to the greatest man who ever lived. <laughs> this is maybe the most ambitious Weezer song, period. I think there's no doubt in my mind that it is the most ambitious Weezer song ever written. I think Rivers has gone on to say this is his favorite song he's ever written. I get it. I mean, like, it might not be your favorite song. It's definitely not. There's a lot of effort put into this. That I can't question. Some yeah. of these so- songs I do question the effort. This one, no. no. I mean, look, so we have it called The Greatest Man That Ever Lived. Yeah. This man is not named. So, 
Do you think it's about Matt Sharp? (laughs) (laughs) Once again, no. (laughs) Artist that I think about when I hear this song the first time um, is Queen. Yeah, oh, that's interesting, yeah. You you didn't think about that? Yeah, because, I mean, like, it's clearly, like, a song like Bohemian Rhapsody that has multiple suites and parts to it. But I didn't think of it because it's one of the few artists left on the planet that they don't ape. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. immediately when the first time I heard this, I thought that this was like his attempt at a Queen song. But, that makes um, so much sense. Uh, I don't think he's ever come out and said that, because actually there are a lot of like artists he name checks in this song. In fact, I have a breakdown of who he was trying to rip off at times during these different sections. Uh, tribute, not rip off. No, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so the next, different ex- sections were inspired specifically by different artists, and I get that, but I think just the idea of this song is such like a inspired by Klee. Either that or it's kind of like... uh, Or The Who. Possibly The Who, too. That or just like musical theater. Just like the kind of reprise at the end. So this song started off as a homework assignment? That makes so much sense. It started as in 2004 from a composition teacher who was teaching him from UCLA. It started off as a very small thing. Right. He's also stated that the uh, spoken word parts, they were inspired by Elvis Presley. That was actually brought to him by Rick Rubin. Like, Rick Rubin wrote some Elvis songs to him. Which is great because he also worked with one of Elvis's songwriters in Mac Davis. The original inspiration for the song was, I had just this really strong and kind of sudden conviction that I'm sick of writing first chorus, first songs. I wanted to do something completely different. And I thought of a classical theme in uh, theriation music. Yeah, I, I can see that, yeah. I actually have a list of different artists he was trying to emulate throughout it. Actually, there, there's apparently three different parts to this song, too, that he had, and sort of thematically, actually. Okay. So the first part was the rap part, which is his bragging, boasting sort of uh, phase of the song. Mm-hmm. And the second phase is, weirdly enough, inspired by Slipknot. I mean, who wasn't inspired by Slipknot? <laughs> Not the character from Suicide Squad, but the man. <laughs> Not the man who can climb or anything. And he was inspired by the ideas of victimization, helplessness, doom, physical destruction, and cynicism. That's Slipknot. And the third part was inspired by Nirvana. And resignation, sarcasm, hating everything, indifferent cliches. That's kind of a broader theme. I have a breakdown of the entire song of how different parts were inspired. So he wanted, that, he wanted the song to start off and be like, uh, have a live section. Like the band live? No. Like, like, like lightning crashes? Like, you know, like a live on stage. And that's why you can hear like, there's like, there's... Bullhorns. Yeah, he uses bullhorns and whatnot in it. And then he segues to a rap section that he wanted to have in it. You know, Which he's always to wanted cool. to. Yeah. And then he segues into a section inspired by Slipknot. I mean, why not? Which then segues into a Jeff Buckley section. I mean, that makes sense, though. Yeah, of course he was inspired by Jeff Buckley. He's like every, like, like fre- college freshman. Every fre- guy with a like guitar. Like every college freshman with a guitar. Then a perpetual he, college freshman. Then there was a choral section. Then there's a, there's a section inspired by Aerosmith. I get. I guarantee you, he loves Aerosmith. Segways into Nirvana. He absolutely loves. Segways into the Andrew Sisters. Your sisters? Not my sister. Andrew Sisters. <laughs> Andrew Sisters. Your segways sisters. into Green Day, of course. Of course. And then the spoken word section, which is heavily inspired by Elvis, specifically, "Are You Lonesome Tonight." That was oh. the song that Rick Rubin brought to him that I think like really inspired him. Wait, wait. Do you think there's a chance that Rivers had not heard that song, though? He heard it. I just think there's it's that one of those things where you've... You know how there's certain songs you hear your whole life, and then like you hear it again at a later age, and it means something more? Because like, a lot of songs are always like wallpaper, and you don't realize why they were such hits or why, why they meant something at the time. Yeah. And then he was inspired by Bach after that. Okay. Then Beethoven. And then by for the, the dog? 
Yes. <laughs> Charles Grodin and Beethoven. Roll Devin. over Beethoven. And then the last section is inspired by the most important band of all, Weezer. <laughs> I'm inspired by Weezer. I am. I've been, this whole podcast, I think we could say it was inspired by Weezer. <laughs> yeah. we, don't, we don't hide that very well. <laughs> Do you like this song? Yes and no. Its origins as a homework assignment yep. don't surprise me in the slightest. This seems like something he would have done on his own, by the way, too. Yeah. And I do like him trying these things out, trying these styles. My problem is, like, it's here's this style. Here's this style. Here's this style. He's not really saying anything about these artists or these styles in particular. Uh, there's no really interesting things he's doing with juxtaposing them. It feels like a warm-up exercise that kind of just grew and grew and grew. It's fine to listen to. It's weird to have a near seven-minute Weezer song. Yeah. But it, it doesn't, like, get my spine going or just, like, make me cry or anything like some of these other songs do. But I feel like... Like in the mall? Huh? Like in the mall? Yes. <laughs> he's doing these things, but he's not saying anything. He's adding no commentary. He's adding no twist of his own. It's kind of like some of these modern comedies where it's just... Here's a reference. Here's a reference. Here's a reference. And the only joke is that I recognize that reference. Yeah. I mean, you have, let's say, Green Day in a song called I'm the Greatest Man That Ever Lived with Billy Joe Armstrong's whole life that we know of with Donald Trump loving American idiot on Broadway. <laughs> there is so much you can do. Just the idea that Green Day went from gutter punk speed addict to doing a broadway show there's something you can say there and i know that rivers knows every beat of this story are you asking rivers to be political almost in like not even that i'm just saying say something about green day because i know he has a lot to say about green day i would love to sit down with rivers for an hour and just talk about dookie okay yeah but here he's giving me his most naked and explicit riff on green day and it's, guess what? I can sound like Green Day. And it's like, yes, I know. You've got five songs that sound like Green Day. I know you can sound like Green Day. I know you can sound like Nirvana. I know you've tried it before. Um, can I talk about the, the first time I ever heard this song? You have my permission. <laughs> uh, I remember when the song leaked a little bit after like uh, Pork and Beans had come out. At the time, I really loved it. I was, uh, I, it was after Make Believe, and I think I was just really in love with the ambition. And, and I love the ambition. I love the. I love it as an experiment. In retrospect, I don't know if it's a hundred percent successful. Um, I think it's my favorite thing on that album now, though. That's not saying a lot. <laughs> no, but like, I think he's really going for it. I don't know. I think I agree with you. I don't know if it has anything to say. Do you know there's originally going to be a music video for this? But you know who's, who originally was going to direct it? I don't. They were going to get Spike to come back and do a music video for them for this. I think that that's a fucking brilliant idea. Yeah. I think that could have been great. The problem was the record company had already basically given up on the Red Album, and they're just like, there's no need for Also, any budget support. that Spike Jones is going to do for this, this near seven-minute yeah. song in 12 different styles is going to bankrupt the record company. There's nothing. There's no other Weezer song like this. Uh, the only thing I can compare to it is the Futurescape trilogy. I actually really, I prefer that much more, actually. I do, too. Yeah, that At least the Futurescape trilogy seems like something he was always building to, weirdly enough. I mean, it feels weird that Rivers has never made a rock opera. Yeah. Well, that know? was originally what uh, Pinkerton, Pinkerton was going to be. Yeah. For somebody who tends to scrap ideas and bring them back, the idea that he's never done that or ne- never even made a 
version of the Pinkerton rock opera in this nostalgia-hungry culture is insane to me. I think it's just he doesn't want to revisit a lot of those sentiments from Pinkerton. But he has to do it every time he tours. I know, but there's a difference between playing a song live and just like actually having to go back creatively and diving back into that material and rearranging it and whatever. You're right. I'm sure he is numb to playing those songs and has just completely divorced them from where they came from. That's something I think all to. I think that's something all live artists have basically learned to do. But there's a difference between that and being creatively engaged with the material like that. Char- I think they actually played this live on the, when they toured, and but they had to practice forever. God, that was yeah. Which I um, which I saw them do on yeah the Futurescape. I saw them actually do that live too, and that was interesting. But that at least all those songs sound the same. Yeah, and they don't have to switch styles. Like I'm sure each one of these segments was recorded separate. Yeah, pretty much. And they maybe had different guitars. They had all these things. No, they did not record this song live in any sort of way. Yeah, in the yeah studio. but I'm saying it's like they had they had different equipment, different setups. Yeah. So doing it live is just I bet amazing pain. Actually, one of the funniest things is with um, the Futurescape when they played it. Uh, they, Scott Schreiner had a double-headed guitar, you know, like a yeah. two-headed guitar. Yeah. He had to switch off between so he could play bass and like. Oh my god. Yeah, I think they had to bring, bring another guitar player on during that section. Are you ready to vote? Yeah. Let me. Who are you voting for? Who? What song? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So let me ask. What song are you voting for, Nick? I have a lot of issues with the greatest man that ever lived, but it's trying things. It's nice to listen to, and you know what? I remember that it's on the album. Oh yeah. Smile has none of these things. I had I had some apprehension of you putting this song on the uh, on the bracket. I'm talking about the greatest man who ever that ever lived. Yeah. But I'm glad that it is because I think it's an interesting to talk song to talk about and Weezer and it's definitely open opens up discussion. But there's no way I'm voting for it. And that's <laughs> why I'm going to say Smile is going on to the next round. All right, Smile, congratulations! You've got a trip to round two of the Weezer bracket. All expenses paid. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, this has been week five of the Weezer Bracket. Your quote-unquote winners. Automatic. Oh, Girlfriend. The Damage in Your Heart. And Smile. Update your brackets at home. We'll update ours online. Follow along at WeezerBracket.com where there's links to the songs and all sorts of fun stuff. Andrew, what do we have coming up next week? Oh, boy, do we have a doozy for next week. Uh, but they're all doozies, I got to say. So next week we have Haunt You Every Day versus We Are All on Drugs. That is a make-believe double doer. Wow. Jeez. It's going to be tough. After that, we have Freak Me Out versus Thought I Knew. Oof. Then we have Hang On versus Simple Pages. Oh, man. And then we have Rolling Me versus Pardon Me. Who next week is really tough on uh, make-believe. <laughs> it really is. We've had some fans ask us why we've been tough on make-believe in the past. It's because these songs aren't Next good. week, I think you're going to find out <laughs> why. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, like us wherever you do. Follow us wherever you can. Um, do all the podcast stuff that we have to show for. Um, keep getting these. Keep talking to us. Send us an email, weezerbracket at gmail.com. Slide into our DMs. We'll be happy to answer it. Unless you're uh, one person. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.
Bye. Bye. Love you. All the Weezer songs, we are claiming fair use uh, for purposes of discussion, and you should look back because there's a lot of discussion about these, so there you go. But the intro music is by Alvoro Kid, and we downloaded it from hooksounds.com, Creative Commons with Attribution, so there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and see you next week. Oh, I would also like to give a shout out to Spence Nicholson for helping us with the art. Yeah. Oh, he's real happy about that. And giving it, and letting us record in your house. Thank you, Spence. Thanks, Spence. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Love you.